0: Hi guys, my name is Brendan Patrick and you're listening to Superlit! Superlit is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBT community. This is literally the first time I've been able to say that in one comma. <laughs> so it's allergy season right now. And um, let me tell you, I just sneezed like 15 times before I started recording this. So I might be a little sniffly. So, <clears throat> wow, okay. This book I've been reading has like su- like supremely like, mess me up, only because I've been reading it at night, and I live within walking distance of, like, a Wawa, so, you know, at, like, 2 a.m., I'll go walk to Wawa, and (laughs) normally I'm fine doing this, but uh, it's been (laughs) difficult to do lately because of reading this book, because it kind of scared me. So, the book that we're talking about this week is called White Rabbit, and it's by Caleb Ro- rig I'm probably saying that wrong. And uh, if he ever listens to this, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but yes, I'm going to refer to him as Caleb from now on because I am really bad at pronouncing people's names. Um, so if you call me Brandon from now on, I I guess that's just how it is. But um, White Rabbit is a murder mystery story. And I don't think I've ever read a murder mystery story. I just think I've, yeah, I feel like I've avoided this category altogether, but this popped up on my Twitter feed. There was like an animated thing. It was like a slideshow almost about this book. And it seemed interesting. So I was like, oh, I should pick this up. And I apparently picked it up the day it came out. So really hype about that. And this is Caleb's second book. So I'm going to read you the book sleeve. Rufus Holt is having the worst night of his life. It began with the reappearance of his ex-boyfriend, Sebastian, the guy who stomped his heart out like a spent cigarette. Just as Rufus is getting ready to move on, Sebastian turns up out of the blue saying they need to talk. Things couldn't get worse, right? (laughs) Of course they could. Come on. But then Rufus answers a call from his sister, April, begging for help. And then he and Sebastian find her drenched in blood and holding a knife beside the dead body of her boyfriend, Fox Whitney. April swears she didn't kill Fox, but Rufus knows her too well to believe that she's telling him the whole truth. April has something he needs, though, and her price is his help. Now with no one to trust but the boy he wants to hate, yet can't stop loving, Rufus has one night to prove his sister's innocence or die trying. And let me tell you... (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely a die trying situation, but yeah. So, for those of you who haven't listened to Super Lip before, we talk about books in pretty good depth, um, and I try to be as non spoilery as possible. But when talking about books in great depth, it kind of happens occasionally. So, I'm going to give a spoiler warning at the beginning of this this uh, this podcast because honestly, I'm I don't know at what point it's not a spoiler in this book because honestly, everything is so uh, interwoven. So, I'm giving it to you right now. Spoiler warnings. Get into it. So, cool thing about Caleb is that he actually responds to things on Twitter. So, I've been consistently updating my Twitter with, uh, like, points as to where I am in the book, and he actually responds, which is pretty cool. But, the dedication page, I... Oh, I just ripped the book! Oh, no! <laughs> this stupid sticky note. Uh! Ugh! Wow. Hello everyone. Welcome to Superlit. Um, okay, so <laughs> according to this this page. So the book is dedicated to his mom, Kay Nichols. Who I, I Nichols? I hope I pronounced that correctly. You once said, a book is no fun unless everybody's dying all the time. Hope the, this body count passes muster. So that I read that and I was like, oh, that's funny. And um, I think I recently just tweeted that the body count matches up with Scream. So I hope you guys are excited. And then the quote that the book starts off with is, there's nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. And that's from Sir... Arthur Conan Doyle. So the book starts off with uh, Rufus getting a phone call while he's with an unnamed boy who's wearing decaying chucks. And apparently this is like a something that this person, uh, that Rufus used to think was cute. But um, the book starts off with Rufus receiving a call and him trying to call back said person. And Sebastian is already there. So the person that he's with is Sebastian and he's already you know, there with him. So there isn't, like, a, you don't really figure out why Sebastian wants to hang out with him, like, why he needs to talk to him. So I thought that this was, like, he breaks up with him during the story. I thought, like, that's what might have happened. I was like, maybe I just misread this. So the call from April, his sister, is something that causes confusion for them both. And you don't really find out until, like, a couple of pages in um, why the, you know, his sister and like why he and his sister aren't really that close. And April has a different mother than Rufus does. So April comes from the Covington family and Rufus comes from the Holt family. So you'll find out exactly what went on there later, but it's cool that the book kind of just like jumps right into it's like hey i got a phone call from my sister and she says that she's in trouble and i'm not sure why and i'm not sure why she's calling me because we're not close like that so i think i need to figure out why she needs me like why she needs help this call also seems to have like kind of spooked rufus because it's um not garbled that's not the right word but uh april doesn't come out necessarily and say exactly why she needs help just that she's at Fox's, uh, her boyfriend's, um, cottage, which is referred to as a lake house too in this book. But Rufus was at his friend Lucy's 4th of July party. So to give some kind of context, um, it's 4th of July weekend and it's, I want to say like maybe 10 o'clock at this point at most. And, um, Sebastian was coming from a different party. You find out, but, uh, April's at a party with her boyfriend and Rufus is with his friend Lucy, and uh, Sebastian called him out to talk to him, and that's when he gets the phone call from April. Sebastian realizes that Rufus doesn't have a car with him, so Rufus doesn't have a car himself. He and his mother share like the family car, if you will, and Rufus's family isn't super well off. His mother is an interior designer, I believe, and April, in the... Covingtons, so April and the Covingtons are very well off, and I believe Sebastian is as well. His father is a college uh, sports ball coach. I th- <laughs> They actually say the word sports ball on this, which is pretty amazing, because that's how I refer to sports. I refer to sports as sports ball. So Sebastian is one of the popular kids, so he knows where Fox's family's like, uh, lake house is. So he's like, yeah, you know what? I know where it is. I'll take you to see April. And it's fine. And Rufus is kind of, like, pushing back because he really dislikes Sebastian at this point. And Rufus is just like, no, I can do this. Like, I'll go home and get my mom's car. Like, you don't have to do this. He's like, no, April sounds like she's in trouble. Let's just go find out what's going on. It's no big deal. I will take you. So Rufus texts his friend Lucy and is like, hey, I have to go. There's something wrong with April. Like, I will talk to you tomorrow. And this is instead of Rufus calling his father, Peter, who is April's dad, everyone seems like, like feels like that's a bad idea. Like Rufus is like, I don't, maybe I should call Peter. Like if there's something wrong with April and Sebastian's like, Nope, don't Nope. Do not do that. Let's not call, uh, Peter. Let's instead go find out what's wrong with April ourselves. There must be a reason why she called you and not Peter. Like obviously. And that's when like, the tone of April and Rufus's relationship is kind of being set there where it's like, Oh, you don't want to call your dad for some reason. And also it's weird that your sister's calling you. So there's something up there. Also, my note on the next page is apparently Sebastian is super hot. <laughs> so with Rufus is coming out. um, in I believe it was the eighth grade. His friend Lucy was the first friend to rally around Rufus when he was uh, coming out. And Rufus's coming out wasn't under his control. So it wasn't something that he had planned. Uh, and there's more on that later in the book. Cool that the the story is layered with um, flashbacks to better explain Rufus's relationships with people. And Lucy was the first person that was like, hey... You're gay. Cool. Great. Awesome. Let's go shoe shopping. I'm kidding, but also I need shoes, so I'm not kidding. And Lucy is honestly uh, my favorite character in this book. <laughs> she has maybe not even like a full chapters worth of like interaction in the book, and uh, I like her a lot. <laughs> but uh, in this chapter, you also get a small look into Rufus and Sebastian's relationship. And it sounds as though Sebastian wasn't out. So it sounds as though um, at some point they kind of like fell into each other's lives and started dating, but Sebastian wasn't out. So I can imagine that was difficult for someone that young to have to deal with dating someone who's still unsure of who they are. And honestly, at that age, is anyone really sure of who they are? But... It sounds like that was difficult for him, and that might have been one of the points of tension in their relationship. And it seems as though, like, for Rufus, the hardest part of their relationship was their breakup, because he couldn't really talk to anyone about it. So he couldn't talk to his best friend about it, and he couldn't talk to his mom about it, really. So he couldn't really, like, he had to deal with this all by himself. And usually when people have a breakup, they get the you know, the talk with their friends. And that isn't something that he was able to do. So his feelings are kind of still there in terms of like how he wanted to, um, I guess, confront Sebastian about it. Rufus has like a huge anger issue, which he thinks that he gets from his father, Peter. And you'll see later in the book too, that uh, the anger issue is like a huge issue for him. It's like really big. And it's uh, kind of what leads to a lot of the story points in this book. Another thing you find out in this chapter is, and we're like still literally in the first chapter, so there's a lot you find out like right off the bat. Rufus thinks that he's being tricked by April, and he kind of thinks that like Sebastian could be in on it because how else could this be happening that she knows he doesn't have a car and she needs help. And all of a sudden Sebastian's there. So he thinks that he's kind of going into a trap of some sort. And this is like really cementing the relationship that he has with April. So you're like reading this and you're like, wow, what kind of shitty sister does he have that he thinks that he's going to be like jumped with a trick of some sort when he shows up to like help his sister at a party. And the reason why he thinks that there's like a trap set is because in the fifth grade, Rufus has an older brother named Hayden. And then it's, and I guess in the the family, if you will, there's Hayden, the oldest brother, and he is a, like, a, (laughs) a terrible human being. Like, honestly, the, like, I've read some, like, bad characters and they're somewhat, they have, like, somewhat redeeming qualities This is realistically terrible. Like, he's realistically a piece of shit. And I feel like I've met people like this in my life where I'm just like, wow, you have zero redeeming qualities, you're an absolute bag of shit, and you're just the worst. It's very interesting. So it's Hayden, the bag of shit, (laughs) Rufus, and then April. And April kind of led... Rufus in the fifth grade into a trap where he got the shit kicked out of him by Hayden. So this is kind of like you're you're starting to see like why Rufus and April sometimes um don't get along, and why he does not get along with his oldest brother Hayden. The boys on the way to Fox's place kind of have like one of their first of many many tips, and. Rufus is like, this is a trap. And Sebastian's like, no, April wouldn't do that. She's your sister. And he's like, no, she would do that. She's my sister. And he's, I guess he insinuates that Sebastian's part of the plan. And Sebastian is like, really offended. He's like, would I do that to you? And he's like, I don't know what you would do to me, Sebastian. I don't know. And it's, (laughs) I read a lot of this and it's very much like, Eyebrows raised, like, bitch, I don't know what you would do. And Rufus's uh, quips are (laughs) pretty amazing. Um, Like, I I wish I was that, like, sassy. Uh, Obviously, a lot of it stems from his really difficult rage issues, but a lot of the quips are very, (laughs) like drowning in sarcasm and it's just like i love that so rufus the whole book is kind of the most sarcastic (laughs) bitch ever i love it i adore it so fast forward a little bit further driving to the boys showing up at fox's cabin and they knock on the door no one answers rufus opens the door sees that it's open and when they get into the cottage it's like a beautiful beautiful cottage and it's just been trashed. So it really looks like, you know, a party has been held there. And they kind of look around. They don't see that anyone's there. They're like, where's April? Like, what? Like, what's happening here? And as they move around, they, they stumble upon the kitchen. And they find April holding what appears to be the murder weapon. Because Fox Whitney is dead. And she's laying next to him. So, right at the end of chapter one, and it's about 15 pages at most, this first chapter, and you've gotten a lot of information. So, this is the cool thing about this book. Like, I didn't feel overwhelmed by the amount of information. It's just there's a lot packed into each chapter, and they're not overwritten, if you will. That's the cool thing about the writing style of this author, is that you get a lot of information in each chapter, but you don't feel like it's like too much or like you should put the book down to kind of like gather your thoughts. It was interesting to read and I like still chapter one, like I read the first chapter and I really was having a hard time putting the book down. So like I would stop to take notes, but I wanted to continue reading and each chapter is almost like a cliffhanger most of the time. So the majority of the book, like you want to get to the next chapter. Like I had a hard time putting the book down and I remember reading for, I think it was like two hours at one point, and I was like, I have to go to bed because I have work in the morning, but I want to keep reading this. Like, it's something that I need to do. And so, end of first chapter, um, you find April kind of like out of it next to her boyfriend's dead body, and it looks like he's been stabbed like quite a few times by a butcher knife. So cue the two boys freaking out. Uh, Sebastian's obviously like, holy shit. And I feel like if I was him, I'd be like, wow, so um, shouldn't have decided that tonight is the night that I need to talk to Rufus. Um, Maybe shouldn't have driven him here. Um, Ooh, okay. And, you know, obviously Rufus is like checking to make sure that his sister is okay. And... It's interesting that he like kind of cares about his sister. He's like holy, like making sure she's okay and uh, trying to get her to like wake up and like talk, like what's happening. And he thinks that April is like whacked out on drugs right now because there's pills everywhere. There's you know red solo cups all over the place. Clearly, there was a party here, and it's just like so much. There's so much drugs and and alcohol at this place, and he's trying to wake her up, and he's like, "April, you got to wake up, like come on, you have to like you have to tell me what's going on. And Sebastian's like, We have to call someone. We have to call the police. Rufus is like, No, not yet. I need to find out what happened and uh i would i was I read this, and I'm like, wow, they' they don't want to call the cops at all like he doesn't want to call the cops. He wants to explore the house to see if there's any kind of, like, evidence of, like, what happened or if, you know, April did it herself. And he really, really, really wants to know, uh, almost most of all, why he was the one that was called. Like, why out of all of her friends, why he was called instead of anyone else, or, like, why he was called instead of his, you know, his father, who is a, a lawyer, So it's interesting that uh, Rufus was the one that was called, especially with all the stuff that's happened between them so far that we know. So the boys get April up and they start asking her questions. Like, are you okay? Like, are you feeling better? Like what's going on? Let's get you cleaned up. Like, let's do that first. And Sebastian's like, you're letting her fucking shower. Like, dude, she's washing evidence off right now. And, and he's like, "Well, the whole fucking place is covered in evidence, so I'm sure that this is fine." A good portion of this book is Sebastian going, "Let's call the police," and Rufus going, mm, "No, not yet." And uh, it's really funny the back and forth. It's like, "We should call the police," and he's like, mm, "Nope." uh um, <laughs> every time I'm like, "Yeah, call the, do it," but there's always a reason. There's always a reason why they can't call the police. And it's always because of Rufus. Um, There's a point where Rufus is like, I believe this is like an internal part where he's like, my recent history with police is really dodgy. And they don't necessarily explain that like right off the bat. But it very much relates to his anger issues and things that he gets blamed for that aren't his fault. And it's very much like family issues and stuff as well. But while April is showering off and, like, kind of, you know, calming herself down, um, while Rufus is looking around the around the lake house, um, Rufus decides to call his mom, and his mom admits to having a conversation with his father. So, a basic explanation of that is that Rufus and his mother do not get along with the uh, Covingtons. So... Uh, Peter, when he when he hooked up with uh with Rufus's mom, she didn't know that he was married, and he basically made it out to be that Rufus's mom is like a cheating whore and that she's like the worst, so his family is very much like frowned upon in the community, and that's kind of why April and Hayden are so at odds with uh Rufus and When he calls his mom to kind of like say something happened, his mom is like, oh, you're with April? Did she tell you that I spoke to Peter? And he's like, no, is everything okay? And you find out that uh, his mom owes the bank about $8,000 and they need it by the end of the month or else they might lose their house. So that's happening. That's a thing that's happening. And it's making rufus kind of feel guilty because a lot of the family issues that they have on his side of the family uh kind of revolve around him and his anger issues and uh she reached out to peter to kind of see if she could get some money um so they wouldn't lose the house and his mom thinks that april has brought this up And she's trying to explain it because Rufus didn't know that this was an issue, like that this was happening at all. So he kind of feels bad that his mom's been dealing with this by herself. And this is kind of the point where uh, Rufus admits his anger issues. So uh, the part that he's basically he admits that swept up in the inner hurricane of my rage. I've screamed and ranted broken dishes and bones, terrorized my teachers and provided my father with ammunition and his agenda against us. So he feels as though this is kind of his fault that they can't ask for money. So he like, he offers some of the money that he saved up from, I guess working. Yeah. So he's saved up money from working all year and he offers to give some of that to his mom to help, cover some of the the money and she's like absolutely not no way uh nope we're not doing this and she kind of like switches the issue back to april and she's like what did april do this time he's like oh nothing it's fine like don't worry about it and they stop talking so uh as he's getting back into the house sebastian's like who are you talking to and he's like oh uh talking to my mom And Sebastian's like, you told your mom what happened tonight. Like, that's insane. You said we shouldn't tell anyone. Like, Sebastian thought that Rufus was on the phone with the cops. um, And it calls him out for that. And he's like, well, aren't you the one that said that you wanted to call the cops five minutes ago, Sebastian? But Sebastian kind of walks Rufus to their house after. He's like, hey, have you found anything? And starts pointing at, you know, ashtrays with um, cigarette butts in them and how the furniture is overturned and how it looks like there was a struggle in the house. And then he points to a pile of like pills, not a pile, but like some scattered pills. And Rufus picks one up and he's like, holy shit, these are white rabbits. So I was trying to figure out when I started reading the book, like why the book was called White Rabbit. And white rabbits are... Migrating from the New York club scene, White Rabbit is a designer drug known to cause euphoria, heightened sensory perception, and hallucinations. The pills have also been linked, notoriously, to acts of extreme violence, like trying to exfoliate your neighbor with a belt sander extreme, and parents everywhere are terrified of them. We had two assemblies about drug abuse at Ethan Allen in this past spring alone, after white rabbits turned up in a couple of arrests on campus at the university. Get caught smoking a joint or taking some of your best friend's Adderall, and you'll get in trouble. Get caught with a white rabbits, and you're <laughs> fucked. Also, fucked is in italics, so you know you're Fucked. They've replaced bath salts as the latest version of history's most dangerous substance ever, and local authorities come down like a guillotine on anyone caught buying, selling or using them. So, when they were trying to interrogate April before, they like put her into the shower, and even when they were putting her into the shower, she seemed like really lethargic and kind of like loopy and just like out of it and just not all there, and Rufus is convinced that she's on something. And she kept saying that she wasn't. She kept saying she wasn't. And now that they find the white rabbits, they're like, oh, April's getting into white rabbits now. This is great. Rufus seeing the white rabbits starts getting like very rage filled. So a lot of the like rage descriptions in the book is very much like a red mist seeping into his mind. And... Uh, Sebastian helps calm him down when he sees the when he sees the pile of white rabbits, and he's like, "I can't afford to be fucked like this. I have no prestige. My family has no money, and April has invited me to a murder scene decorated with white rabbits." While Sebastian is calming him down, Rufus kind of looks into his eyes, and he's like, oh, "This is like a window into the painful past that I can't really handle." And uh, the boys' meeting is kind of revealed. So they both work on the school newspaper at Ethan Allen High School, which really—I'm uh, <laughs> just imagining like a designer school that's just like an interior designer school—and um, then you have to go work for Ethan Allen Furniture. <laughs> but it, they both work on the school newspaper called the Front Line. And that's where they met. And uh, Rufus was the photographer for the sports column that uh, Sebastian did. And he was the sports column's uh, personal photographer. And they didn't get along at first, uh, Sebastian and Rufus. And then they slowly started uh, getting to know each other more. And Sebastian noticed that rufus was reading a death note manga and (laughs) i'm reading this and i'm like these fucking weebs of course it's a death note manga so uh, i read this and i think i actually like put the book down for a minute laughed and i was like yeah fucking dorks kids are always dorks the two boys kind of like uh admit that the manga kind of messed them up and how uh Sebastian was like, Oh, I wasn't really into like manga and stuff like that, but my girlfriend's little brother is, and he kinda got me onto it, and I stayed up a whole what was it? He stayed up for 36 hours straight reading it. And Rufus is like, Yeah, I didn't really sleep at all. Um and I was convinced that if maybe if I wrote people's name down in a notebook, you could actually kill them. They start talking about other um I think it's Blue Exorcists they start talking about. And it's just it's just like a cute little like, "Oh, you like manga, I like this manga, Let's talk about it, and it's nice that their their like friendship kind of blossomed from that like something so dorky, and that's when Rufus realized that he had a crush on Sebastian, <laughs> which is the worst, so now that you get like a little hint at like what uh where the boys started at. Um, it's kind of really interesting to see how cold Rufus is being to Sebastian, but it's just like, as much as I want to trust him right now, I can't, I think that like, it's hurting him more that he can't trust this person that, you know, he really trusted so closely. Uh, and now this person's here during a very like tumultuous time too. At this point, April has, you know, showered off, she's clean, she's kind of got, you know, her head back on her shoulders, and she comes out, and she's like, is he still out there? And the boys are like, yeah, do you want to go talk in the bedroom? Like, it's probably better there than out here. And the boys start asking questions like, hey, what happened tonight? Like, do you remember anything? And she's like, I'm not sure, I mean, I don't really remember, and... Rufus is like you have to try to think like you call me for help I can't I can't really help you if you don't really tell me like how I'm helping you and at this point I'm reading this and I'm like oh my god what happens if she doesn't remember and now the boys are both there and they haven't called the cops yet like i like what's going to happen April explains that uh they were having a party and she got tired so she went to lay down and then when she woke up she was in the kitchen next to Uh, Fox and his dead body. And her phone was kind of just sitting out right next to her. Rufus at this point is kind of like studying her response. And she's obviously like sobbing. And he's like, what were you on when we got here? She's like, nothing. And Rufus is just like, do not lie to me about this. Don't. And she's like, "I'm, I'm really not lying. Like, it's not like, I don't, I wasn't doing anything. Other than drinking, like, that's all I did tonight. And Rufus is just like, so you haven't been taking white rabbits? And she's like, no, I hate the way those things make me feel. Like, that's not my thing. And Sebastian and he are kind of, like, looking back and forth at each other, like, what, like what's going on here? And uh, he's like, okay, listen, try to give me a recap of what happened tonight. And April explains that they were having a 4th of July party because Fox's parents were away in New York, and they had the cottage to themselves, so they decided to have like a small party, not like a huge one. So like it's really like they're close friends. And Rufus is like, so you just invited Race and Peyton then, who are um, Fox and April's best friends, and they're also a couple. They're called they ref, I think they refer to themselves as the perfect couple too. And April's like, yeah, we invited you know. Raisin Payton Peyton. And we also invited Arlo Rossi and some other people. And she kind of like looks at Sebastian and this made me think that Sebastian was there. So I was like, Oh, was Sebastian there and they just don't want to talk about it. So Rufus is like, okay, so you had a party. What, uh, what went down next? Like what, what happened to your April? It's a lot of back and forth at the beginning, uh, trying to get information out of April because, uh, I'm not saying she's lying, but she's like withholding like information that's important. But she is trying to protect herself so she doesn't seem guilty. So she's not trying to spill everything at once because she's afraid that Rufus will think that she did it. In the middle of the back and forth they're having, it's revealed that April was the second person to kind of jump to Rufus's side when he was outed. So Rufus finally gets to the question, it's like, why did you call me? Like, why was it me that you decided to pick up like pick your phone up and call? She finally says, like, hey, I'm being framed, and I think that one of my friends who is here tonight did it. And I can't really trust them, so you're the only other person that I thought I could trust. And April basically says, Hey, remember that time you solved that that mystery? at, what was it, like a camp or something? And he's like, yeah, anyone could have figured those things out. And she's like, well, I want you to do that again. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm not figuring out who murdered uh, Fox for you. Like, I'm not going to do it. She's like, listen, like, if you just, like, go and talk to my friends, ask some questions for me, at the end of the night, no matter what happens, I will turn myself in, and we will tell the police what happened. And she's like, I'll also give you $2,000. So if you can do this for me, I will give you $2000 because I know your family needs it. I know that your mom called my dad today begging for money. So if you just even go and ask questions to my friends, I will give you this money and I will turn myself in no matter what. Rufus is just like, "Oh shit, I'm going to have to do this." And Sebastian's like, "What are you talking about? Like you can't like you can't do this. She's just playing you." And Rufus doesn't really want to get into why they need the money. And he's more embarrassed than anything. April goes and retrieves the 2K from a bag that Rufus looks at and is like, oh, that is definitely Fox's bag. So he thinks that he's getting drug money right now. And... He's just like, okay, I'm going to be okay with this. I'm going to take this, and we're going to figure out what happened tonight. April recalls that Arlo and Fox apparently got into a physical argument, and Fox told Arlo to leave, and she doesn't really know what the argument was about, but I feel like she was lying. April kind of is trying to convince Rufus that it was Arlo that did this, and she's like, "I don't know, I feel like he could have left, um, but maybe he came back like while I was passed out. like I don't know. I think it that you know Arlo is like the most suspicious out of everyone because of the fight they had. so at this point, Sebastian's like, Okay, well, I know you think this guy's gonna beat you up just for asking questions, so like why don't I come with you and help ask these questions to the mean, popular kids?" <laughs> And I guess at this point, it's a good thing that Sebastian's there because uh, Rufus would not be able to ask these questions without him because Sebastian is one of them. So he's going to be able to kind of get these like this information from, you know, the the kids without them directing any kind of violence towards Rufus. After that, uh, April's kind of like, how come you guys are together? Like, what's going on? and Seb gets kind of like quiet about it and Rufus is like yes so um tell me about Arlo like where like what uh what's what's going on with that like what happened with the fight there so he's trying to defer so uh Sebastian doesn't kind of clam up because he doesn't really know how to answer the question without implicating himself and the two boys don't really uh know how to do it especially since they're not really dating right now um It's not something they know how to kind of do. And Rufus, as much as he is pissed off at uh, Sebastian, he doesn't want to spill his secret. April kind of finally spills like who the other person was. And up until this point, I was definitely like, oh, Sebastian was definitely there. Like, maybe who's at this party? Uh, It turns out to be Sebastian's on and off again ex-girlfriend and that Arlo had invited her to the party. Her name's Leah. So Leah and Sebastian are like a celebrity couple, if you will, in the school. They're both really popular, really well-off kids. And they're consistently on and off again. They're always going out, breaking up. And during one of the breakup points is when he and Rufus were dating. And Sebastian's kind of upset that Arlo and Leah were together at this party because that means that they were kind of, you know, banging after Rufus and Sebastian find out that Leah Santos was at the party goes into a flashback about there's a pep rally at the school. And Rufus has at this point, not heard from Sebastian for six days and 19 hours of unanswered texts and phone calls. And at this point, uh one this like really peppy uh gossipy girl, Ramona comes in and is talking about how Leah was asked back out by Sebastian at the school's like pep rally, and he's like, "'I love you like let's get back together and he did this in front of everyone in the school that was there, so Rufus has his like heart shattered by Ramona, the school's gossip. And it's just like, I read that, and I was like, oh, this is really sad. This is bad. Flash forward a little bit to the next chapter. There's another flashback, and there's, of course, our kids screaming right outside my window right now. But this is a flashback to before the two boys started dating, and Sebastian tells Rufus that he and Leah broke up, and then he thinks he has feelings for someone else before he like leans in and just, like, kisses Rufus. And this is happening during um, the, like, newspaper club meeting, and he and Rufus are the only ones in the room, and he kisses Rufus and then, like, bolts as soon as the the teacher for the club comes in. And um, (laughs) I can't imagine being, like, viciously, not viciously, but, like, kissed like that, and then just being, like, Oh I have to go back to work? Oh, okay. Um great. And that kind of goes into how the boys like always find little ways to see each other in school and make out in the hallways or like like close off rooms or like whatever. Always getting like bathroom passes at the same time so they could coordinate meeting and kissing, which is like super cute. So by the time that they get to Leah's place, um it's about midnight and The three are in Sebastian's Jeep. And so Sebastian texts Leah and is like, hey, we need to talk. I'm outside. And they tell April, they're like, listen, keep your head down. Don't talk. Don't move. Stay in the car. She's like, "Okay, fine. And so after like texting a few times, she doesn't answer. And Rufus grabs Sebastian's phone after a couple of texts that don't spur her to come out. And the text reads, I know where you were tonight. Either you come outside or I bang on your door until your parents wake up and I tell everybody. That gets her to come outside. Um and the boys start questioning her and she's like kind of confused why they're both together. And I is I think Rufus is wearing his like a bloody tank top right now because he picked up April in this tank top and it's covered with fox's blood. So he's, like, trying to stay in the the shadows. So I'm imagining, like, Leah just, like, what the fuck are you two doing here and why are you asking me questions? So Leah and Sebastian kind of start off in a really great uh, place. Uh, Leah's, like, so you fucking text me right now this, like, this message. This is a really sad attempt to get my attention. And then they start asking questions Leah doesn't know where Arlo is and doesn't get why she's being questioned or why April is talking to Rufus. So basically everyone in this group knows that Rufus and April don't talk. So Leah's just like, I don't really get why April was talking to you in the first place. And Rufus kind of deflects and it's like, no, we were supposed to talk tonight. Like I know that we don't normally talk, but she was supposed to call me tonight. She's not picking up her phone or answering. And I'm just worried. So Leah has stepped like into the light kind of outside. And you notice that she has a, a black eye, I believe it is. She has like a black eye and some bruises on her, on her face. And Sebastian's like, what the fuck is that? Like what happened? She's like, nothing, nothing happened. And Sebastian's convinced that Arlo hurt her. And she's like, no, it wasn't Arlo stop. So at this point, Rufus realizes that the two aren't dating anymore and um that uh Arlo and Fox are drug dealers and they got into a fight about you know the the drugs and the white rabbits and Leah tried to break up the fight and kind of accidentally got hurt so Fox accidentally hit her so that's why she has the black eye and the bruises on her face and Sebastian's like hey I know that Arlo and Fox both deal drugs. Like I bet that's what they were fighting about. And, and Leah's just like, listen, Arlo is a good person. And if they were fighting about that, it would be Fox's fault and not Arlo's because Fox is a shady asshole. So sounds as though not a lot of people really like Fox and Fox is described as someone that everybody feels they have to like kiss his ass, uh, to be accepted. So, It sounds like everyone in this group of people are all kissing this, like, rich, popular kid's ass just to be accepted into the group. So Rufus is like, okay, so who left the party first? Like, did Arlo leave first or, like, did someone else? And Leah's like, yeah, I mean, Arlo left first. He had to go cool off. So, like, yeah, he left first. The party kind of broke up a little bit after that. And we all kind of left. And Rufus is like, you all left at the same time? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, why does it matter, like, if we all left at the same time? And Rufus is, like, continuously just saying, like, hey, I'm really worried about April. We're supposed to hang out. Like, we we're supposed to have the phone conversation. And didn't happen. So where's Arlo now? Like, we want to ask him some questions, too. And she's like, uh, at home, probably? Like, I don't know. Why don't you just, like... Go up to Fox's place if, like, you're so worried. Rufus is like, well, we don't really want to go all the way up there if she's okay. Like, we just want to find out, like, what happened tonight. Rufus is just like, okay, listen, tell me what happened. Like, tell me where Arlo is, and we will leave you alone. And she's like, do you promise to leave me alone? So after that, the boys head back into the Jeep, and... Rufus is like, hey, so were you and Fox fighting? And April's just like, what are you talking about? No. Why would you think that? And he's like, well, Leah said that you guys were having makeup sex. So what's going on with that? Basically, April and Fox got into a fight and didn't want to say anything about it because she didn't want to. To make it seem like she was the one that did the murder. And she basically it's like it was a private fight it has nothing to do with you why are you asking april kind of withholds information the majority of the book and you kind of see that as like you're getting into it that she starts giving more and more as you go and this this book has 29 chapters 30 if you count the extra chapter that's in it but the boys have another little spat about leah and sebastian's like well Leah didn't do it. Like, she's not capable. And Rufus is like, oh, yeah, she's a total sweetheart. Did you notice how she was lying the entire time? And Sebastian's like, that doesn't mean she did it. And Rufus is just like, I never said she did. <laughs> so it's very much them, like, squabbling, like a married couple, in front of April. After that, they wind up at Arlo's house. And the Arlo's house visit is very short, um... They try to talk to Arlo. He comes out on the porch, and uh he has a rifle, so he scares the boys off and uh he doesn't really answer any questions. Um He's kind of very defensive, and he doesn't want to leave the porch like he doesn't want to leave the porch, and he keeps like looking past the boys like out to the street and he's like looking around It's almost like he's waiting for someone to show up because he was already on the porch when they got there. It's not like they called him he was there waiting. So it's funny, after the short visit to Arlo, the trio has a conversation in the car and Rufus is just like, I don't think Arlo was the one that did it. And they're both like, what the fuck are you talking about? He had a rifle. He's already—he's insane, of course he did. And he's like, no. I think that Arlo was afraid of something. Like, he must have seen something. Like, I don't know why Arlo would be afraid, but He's definitely afraid of someone and I don't think he's the one that did it because what we are right now is just a nuisance. We're just showing up and like asking people questions in the middle of the night. He was afraid before we got there and clearly like Leah texted him, but there's no reason for him to come out with a gun. Like it's just us. Like there's, we're not the cops. Like there's no reason to. So the only other people on the list of people that were at the party that april has given them are uh peyton Forsythe and race atwood so the perfect couple if you will so sebastian texts race and is like hey what are you up to and he's like i'm just hanging out in my backyard like come like come back so sebastian has an in with uh race so the trio decide to head over to Race Atwoods place and obviously instruct April, same thing like, "Hey, you're not coming out of the car. keep your head down. Be quiet." And they get over to races and they find that Peyton and Race are both there in the backyard, and they're sitting like it it feels like miles apart on the lawn furniture. Like they're not being friendly. they're both just sitting there, and, and Race is just like sitting there smoking. The main takeaway from Peyton and race's conversation is that Peyton also has uh, a bruise on her face and also um, race came, it like has an alibi for them and uh, Peyton seemed surprised by it. She seemed like kind of thrown off that this was happening and the two aren't really like talking to each other. They're just kind of like talking and, Seems almost like they're fighting for some reason. And uh, the other takeaway is that race has what looks like a blood splatter on his finger. And Rufus notices it when uh, race reaches for his pack of cigarettes. He notices this uh, red splatter on his fingers and it looks like blood. So one of the boys asks Peyton, like, what happened? Like, why do you have a bruise on your face? Is it from Fox? Did you also try to break up the fight between Fox and Arlo? And she seems. they both actually seem surprised that uh, Sebastian and Rufus know about the fight since they weren't there. And she's like, no, actually I got it from April because she's crazy and she tried to rip my head off, basically. This, for the timeline, uh, Peyton says that this fight happened after Arlo was kicked out. So timeline of the party so far is that Peyton, Race, and April were sitting out in the hot tub and... They didn't hear what the fight was about, but they come inside and Arlo and Fox are having an argument, like a physical argument. And Leah tries to break it up, gets hit. And after they leave, it seems as though Payne and April got into a fight for some reason. So the timeline isn't completely full yet or complete. And Rufus notices that there's like holes in the story because of the, when people left and how... Their cars like overlapped. So the timeline is that Arlo and Leah left, but Leah stayed back to make sure that April was okay after the fight. And Peyton and Race had taken off at this point in, I believe, separate cars, but Arlo and Leah still made it past them. So they're not, they haven't really explained why this has happened yet. So if Payton and Race left first. There's no reason why Arlo and Leah should have made it past them first. Like, there's no reason why they should have made it, like, back onto the highway before them. So, other huge takeaway from the conversation with Race and Payton is that Hayden, April, and Rufus's brother was at the party as well. And this is something that April has left out. She hasn't said who it was. So she's left out that Leah was at the party until, you know, a little bit further into the conversation, and she still hasn't mentioned that uh, Hayden was there. So Rufus asks, like, why Hayden was there, and Race is just like, oh, he was only there for a minute. He was picking something up, which is clearly drugs. So he was clearly picking up white rabbits. And... This is when Rufus notices the blood splatter, or the the dark-colored, dark-red stain on Race's hand. And after that, the conversation kind of ends, and uh, Peyton is Peyton is just like, Hey, I'm leaving. I don't want to do this conversation anymore. I'm done for the night. Like, I just want to go home. My night's been ruined. So, the conversation there ends, and the... Two boys go back to the Jeep, and April is woken up by Rufus getting back into the car, and a fight kind of ensues, because Rufus has figured out that April's been like withholding a lot more than he suspected, which is something he figured she would do, because it's April. And he kind of makes a guess that Peyton and Fox hooked up, and it is the right guess, because that's what April was pissed off at Peyton about. And why she and Fox were fighting. And that's why it was a personal issue. And that's why she didn't want to bring it up. So she deflects and is like, this is the reason why I didn't give you all the information at first, because I didn't want you to think that I killed Fox because I was upset with him. This is the reason why Fox and race were getting into it, because April kind of blindsided Peyton with a bottle smashed it on her face, and she got bruised by it. And Leah interjects uh, before April can get into it with Fox, and that's when Race and Fox get get into it. And that's why everyone kind of uh, left the party. So it wasn't just because of the fight between Fox and Arlo that broke up the party. It was because April found out that Peyton and Fox had been hooking up and got into a fight with both Peyton and Fox, This chapter kind of ends with everyone kind of feeling like they've hit a dead end because everyone so far seems as though they're in the clear, even though it seems as though everyone's lying at the same time. And Rufus suggests calling the cops and April loses it and starts like going off on him and starts, you know, saying really nasty things about he and his mother. And he kind of like shoots her down. And he's like, listen, bitch, if you say anything about my mother, I will fucking go straight to the police myself. I don't care what happens. I will turn you the fuck in myself. And I'm just like, damn, you don't talk about someone's mother like that. But uh, she's like, I, I didn't do it. Like, you, I paid you to help me find out who did this. And Ruva's like, listen, we spoke to everyone. That's exactly what you wanted me to do. I spoke to everyone. I figured things out for you. And you lied the whole time. So... The best option for you right now is to call Peter and tell him that you need a lawyer and to meet us at the police station. The next chapter is April and the boys at the police station. So April agrees that, uh, she's going to talk to her dad. She calls Peter and explains that she needs a, uh, lawyer and the trio comes up with a story as to what their alibi is. So, the alibi is basically constructed by Rufus with the timeline and is like, okay, you know, you called us, we went out there, we picked you up after having spoken to everyone, being worried about you, and then we came straight here. So that's what the timeline is for them. So basically, that helps kind of like cut off any questions that like they've been together much longer. And uh, this will help kind of defer any blame until they can figure out what's going on so there's a cute throwback between the boys um, about like one of their first dates and it's about Rufus wanting to be able to call Sebastian his boyfriend and after a while Sebastian's like they're in a um, little photo booth together and he's like okay you know what I'm your boyfriend. It's official. Like, this is a thing. And obviously the boys are still keeping it to themselves, but the <laughs> they're in a photo booth and they get photos taken while they're, like, making out together, which is uh, really cute. So when they get to the police station and uh, Peter takes April into the back of his car to talk with the lawyer... Um, Sebastian tries talking to Rufus, and Rufus is just like, I told you I'm not having this conversation. This isn't a thing that we're talking about tonight. I really don't have the energy. And Sebastian's like, that's not what I want to talk about. I need to know if we need lawyers, if they're going to call our parents. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, because I don't know how to explain what's going on tonight. Rufus tries to calm down, and it's like, listen, we're not even, like, eyewitnesses. We were just there picking up April, like, Don't worry, nothing's going to happen, everything's going to be fine. While this conversation's happening, they're being spied on, and the person who's spying them steps out, and it's fucking Hayden! So Hayden finally makes his actual appearance in the story, and he knows that Fox is dead. And it's weird, because no one's said anything, so he knows Fox is dead, which means he's probably been to the house, and he asks if... April was the one that did it and they try to convince him no, And he's like, well, I hope she at least wiped her fingerprints off the butcher knife. So Hayden knows about the butcher knife. Hayden knows that April was there. Hayden knows that Fox is dead. This is all kind of pointing to like Hayden being the one that did it. And I don't think Rufus or April would put it past him to have something to do with this murder. So after that, He kind of asks why Sebastian and Rufus are hanging out, and he insinuates that the only reason they're hanging out is because Rufus is sucking Sebastian's dick. So that kind of starts a fight. And I wrote, The other people in this story are mean, mean being in all caps. And honestly, everyone that's spoken to the boys so far they're all so freaking nasty to rufus i i believe that hayden's called him like a faggot a couple of times and so caleb's uh twitter profile says let's see where um realistically foul mouth dialogue honestly uh i agree with that um these people all really dislike rufus and hayden really hates rufus and his mother and he has called him i believe uh the f-word multiple times and it causes sebastian and he to almost get into a physical argument and sebastian doesn't really uh know how to react and then they kind of square they square up he and uh hayden after the comment that uh hayden um kind of makes about rufus and he being together So Rufus breaks up the fight by being like, hey, we need to go make our statements. And Hayden kind of does, I'm assuming, the gay lisp. And he's like, yes, go make your statements. (laughs) Which I'm reading and I'm just like, ooh, that's terrible. So the next chapter is the two boys. It starts off with the two boys waiting in the, the police station. And that's when Rufus realizes that Hayden was at the house when they got when they got there to check on April. And he thinks this because he and Sebastian never checked upstairs in the lake house. So the lake house was a two level and they never checked upstairs when they were looking around the house. So that's the only reason that Hayden could know specifically about the butcher knife or that Fox was already dead. A little bit after that, April comes into the station and tells the officer at the desk what happened, and she's ushered off into a separate room. And then a little bit afterwards, Rufus and Sebastian do the same thing, and they're taken into separate rooms. And the <laughs> so the officer that is interrogating Rufus, <laughs> let me read this description to you. Introducing himself as Detective Layman, he asks if I want a coffee, I nod, and then he leaves the room briefly returning with a cup full of what seems to be lukewarm battery acid. I have to wonder if it's some sort of interrogation tactic. I also have to wonder if Detective Layman's foxy green eyes, slim-hipped physique, and unruly chestnut hair are also part of some brilliant strategy, a charm offensive, to tease out my secrets. Okay, listen, um... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, he, <laughs> all right, let me, another part, he spreads his legs a little, I almost start to hyperventilate, exhibiting tremendous self-control, I manage a neutral, thanks, I, <laughs> like, I'm reading that and I'm like, wow, okay, so they, they <laughs> They might have sent a particularly like handsome officer in to interrogate him. I don't think that happened, but it's very funny to think about. So he's asking questions, trying to poke holes in April's testimony by asking Rufus questions. And halfway through the conversation, and Rufus isn't doing too bad until he starts recounting the events. And he's kind of thinking in his head about... Uh, Hayden. And he's also he's also trying not to tell the officer that April was doing anything heavier than drinking because he's still not convinced that she was uh, just drinking. He's kind of convinced that she was also on White Rabbits as well. But as he's trying to think of what happens, he waits too long and he realizes this. And this is when Peter kind of barges in and Says, basically pulls like, hey, I'm his lawyer and his father and you're interrogating him and he's underage. So that's an issue. So he pulls him out and it almost immediately pulls Rufus into the bathroom and starts screaming at him and threatens to get a restraining order against him so he can't talk to April anymore. And he's convinced that Rufus has something to do with uh, Fox's murder and getting April in trouble. And Rufus... Um, kind of loses it on him, and he threatens him back. And the threat is that if he tries to implicate Rufus, uh, Rufus will tell the officer that was just interrogating him uh, the truth about what happened that night. So after Rufus calms down by punching the walls a couple of times in the bathroom after Peter leaves, um, he comes out to find Sebastian waiting in the lobby, and he's watching the TV... Uh, in the lobby and apparently fox whitney's family home has been set on fire so someone committed arson on the house so not only is fox whitney dead his family's home not the lake house though has been burned down so the two boys are leaving the the police station and as they're leaving um a figure comes out of the shadows and scares them. And the boys are already on edge because of the Hayden incident. And it turns out to be Isabel Covington. So April's mom, and she's apparently just as bad as Peter is, but she's more calculating. So she's much more quiet with her strikes against, uh, Rufus's family. So what happens is that Isabel is basically like, listen, April told me everything. And, I want you to go interrogate those people again because they're clearly lying. And if you do it and you can find a way to get April exonerated of all the charges, I will give you double what she gave you. And if you don't, I will make sure that you get thrown out of school and that you are implicated in what happened. So Rufus is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place and he winds up agreeing. And Sebastian is kind of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you ever agree to that? You don't even know if she's actually going to give you the money. And this is when Rufus kind of snaps on Sebastian. Is like, you don't understand what's happening with my family. I need the money. There's something wrong and we could lose our house. And that's why I've been doing this shit for money. So you don't even understand what's going on. So at this point, Rufus is like, listen, if you don't want to do this, that's fine. You don't have to. So you can drop me off at home and I'll take my mom's car and I'll figure this out myself. And... He's like, no, I'm not going to let you just do this by yourself. And it's like, I don't have any other choice. So it's either you're along for the ride or go away. And Sebastian's just like, you can't forget I'm part of this too. Like everything that's happened, I've been here for. So I'm going to help you out. Like I'm not just going to leave you in the lurch here. At this point in the book, um, the setting for the book is getting a little bit creepier. So there's a lot more fog and mist Where they are right now. So, a lot of the descriptions that they talk about, it's like figures moving through the fog and mist. So, it's really setting the tone for it to be very spoopy. And the boys decide that uh, they're going to start off with Leah again. So, they're going to go to Leah first. So, they're basically going in order of who they spoke to. And so they decide to go with Leah first. And when they get there, Leah seems frightened and she only she comes out after the first message. So it's not like five messages before she comes out. And Leah is like noticeably more frightened now. She doesn't have that like sarcastic as sarcastic of a tone this time around. And when they mention that Fox is dead, she's like not really she's not caught off guard. So it's not news to her. And they're like, what's going on with this? And she's like, well, Hayden told me. They're like, what do you mean, Hayden? So Hayden is looking for the money that he had paid to Fox for the bad white rabbits. And he's like, she brings up that he was there and very aggressive with her. She holds her bare arms out, and in the diffused light, I can see for the first time that she has new bruises forming, the flesh over her biceps darkening with the suggestion of powerful hands. So, Hayden has come looking for the money that Fox had, and I'm not really sure why they, like, why he went to Leah's first, because she's not really associated with the drug dealing. Arlo is more associated with that, and so is Fox, but. Obviously, Fox is dead and Hayden knows, so its I don't think it's necessarily, like, fully explained why he thought Leah would have the money, but maybe it's because Hayden knew that she was with Arlo. Leah starts getting into why uh, Fox and uh, Arlo had started fighting, and it's because Fox and Arlo were both dealers for this one, like, I don't want to call him, like, a drug king pain, but, like. They have a supplier, and they are dealers, and they give this dealer their cuts, and then he they get their shares afterwards, and Fox decided that he was going to make fake white rabbits that cause people to get sick, have seizures, or black out. and Arlo kind of caught wind of this and fought with him, and Hayden was obviously trying to get the money back that he had given because he paid think about $1,000 to, yeah, it was $1,000 worth of fake white rabbits. And Arlo's clients were complaining that the product they purchased was different, like the stamp was even wrong, and that they didn't work as well, or they were making people sick. So he kind of figured out that Fox had been uh, making these fake white rabbits and just keeping the money for it. So after Leah has basically said that, Arlo is in danger because of Hayden wanting his money back, and obviously Arlo is part of the drug dealing ring. The boys are like, "Well, uh Arlo doesn't need our help like he had a he had a rifle he's perfectly safe, and Rufus at this point has two main suspects, and it's Arlo and Hayden who both have a good reason to want Fox murdered. He also thinks Leah could be a suspect because she didn't flinch when the boys said Fox was dead, but I think he eventually starts kind of moving past that and it's more so I think his feelings towards Leah I think they're clouding his judgment a little bit but it's also because Leah's obviously not giving up all the information that she has as well. The next part of the chapter is the two boys on their way to Arlo's place which is a very short drive and they're talking they're like doing little like fake stories about like story titles about the night and they start with how my sister bribed me with blood money by rufus holt how i learned that a bunch of my friends are actually kind of psychotic how my family is full of liars and possible murderers who still call me the black sheep Sebastian pauses for just a moment. And then how I finally got up the courage to tell my ex-boyfriend that I'm sorry for the way I ended things. The Jeep fills with silence. And I feel my smile drop dead on my face. With difficulty, I muster, don't. It's just like, so Rufus, he's been avoiding this conversation all night. And it's not one that he wants to have because he's kind of built up this like wall uh, for Sebastian that's like I don't need him I like he was in my life and now he's not and he's just here right now and then after the night, he's gonna be gone again and I don't need him in my life and you find out that Rufus said I love you and it didn't end well so there's a flashback right after that part about how the boys are like hooking up at Sebastian's place and rufus finally gives it and he's like i want to do this like i want to have sex and afterwards rufus says i love you and sebastian's just like you can uh turn on the tv if you want and it's just like that's that's uh that's terrible especially right after losing your virginity that's like earth shattering Their argument makes a roundabout now after the, like they're in present tense now, their argument makes a, uh, turn and it's kind of about Leah again. And Rufus is like, I was only a convenience. I didn't even matter to you. You're an asshole. And Sebastian seems like actually upset by this. He's like, you actually think, like, think that that's how I feel about you. That's terrible. Like, why would you think that? And he's like, well, that's just how I feel and I don't care. That's just how I feel about this situation. So they get to Arlo's place, and Rufus is like, I'm going, stay in the car, and he's like, are you fucking joking me? Like, I know you, like, (laughs) look, I know you've got a right to be pissed at me, but there's no way in hell I'm letting you go do this alone. Go risk getting freaking killed just because you're super pissed at me, and you don't want to give me the satisfaction of helping. You don't have to forgive me, but I do still care about you, Rufus. I still have your back, whether you like it or not. So, As the boys get out, they call out to Arlo and try to, like, get him and convince him that he's, like, they just want to talk. There's no reason to, you know, shoot them. And there's silence. So the boys walk up to the porch and they find Arlo's dead body and his throat's been slashed. So, body count. We're at two now. So, after that, the boys are kind of freaked out. And they go and tell Leah. They're afraid that Leah could be hurt at this point. And they've, at this point, Rufus has also crossed Leah off his list completely. When they get there and they tell her that Arlo has been killed, um, she seems more affected by that than she did when um, the boys told her that Fox was murdered. And at this point, she kind of starts cracking and letting... Uh, them know, like, what actually happened that night, like her actual timeline. So she and Arlo wound up going back, and uh, because Arlo couldn't just let Fox go, he wanted to settle the score. And he was so angry that he, when he was riding the motorcycle up to Fox's place, he kind of drove across another person's lawn and they wound up at the side door of the house near the kitchen, which is where Fox was murdered. He was murdered in the kitchen. And if you look in the kitchen side door, you can actually see Fox's dead body. So they're walking up and Arlo sees something and Leah doesn't, and it scares him, so he runs off and Leah has to like basically like he she almost got left behind because that's how frightened he was. And she kept getting told by Arlo that everything is going to be fine. He's got a plan and not to talk to anyone. Everything's going to be good. Don't tell anyone what happened tonight. And it's all going to be okay. The boys ask who uh, the supplier is because they think that at this point, the supplier could be the person who's killed his two Minions, if you will, because now Fox and Arlo are dead and they were both drug dealers. So Rufus is convinced that the person who is giving them the drugs is probably pissed off that Fox was keeping money and double crossing him and is probably out for blood at this point. So Leah drops the name and it's Lyle Shetland. So Lyle Shetland is related to the person who outed Rufus. So Rufus kind of developed a crush on his one male friend, uh, Eric, I believe his name is. Yeah, Lyle is related to Eric, and Rufus kind of confessed that he had feelings for Eric, and he was like, listen, it's fine if you don't. Like, I just wanted to let you know, like, I wanted to get it out in the air. And Eric doesn't respond well, and the next, I think, like, that Monday at school is when the whole outing thing happened. And uh, it's kind of terrible. It's like you confess something to your friend, and it's like, hey, it's fine if you don't feel the same way. I just want to get this out there, and I want us to be the same way. And Eric kind of is like, well, I'm straight. I'm not like that. Like, I don't like you like that, man. It's like, no, it's fine. I, I just wanted to tell you I wanted to be honest with you because you're my friend and I respect you. So... Rufus is like, okay, well, let's, like, do you know where I can find him? To Leah. And Leah's like, he's a fucking drug dealer. Like, you're going to get your shit wrecked. And Rufus is like, no, we're fine. Like, he and I are fine. Don't worry about that. And Sebastian gets asked by Leah to stay back and protect her because she's obviously scared. And her now boyfriend is dead. And Rufus is just like, yeah, you know what? I don't need you to come with me. Um, you stay with her because he's still pissed off at him. And Leah eventually, like, tells Rufus where to go. And Rufus storms out because he I, he's like, he obviously has really bad feelings connected to Leah. And Leah's really not that nice. Uh, none of the people associated with Fox are nice in any way, shape, or form to him. Uh, and they all kind of have like connected stories to how they were kind of nasty to him, or you know, associated with something bad. And he wants out of there, and she's begging Sebastian to stay back. And he's thinking like, oh, of course, he's going to pick his ex girlfriend. Like, why would he pick me? I was just a placeholder and something to have fun with. So on his way out, Sebastian finally decides to go with Rufus, and from Rufus's point of view you can tell that rufus still has a lot of feelings for sebastian and you're not because the whole book is from rufus's point of view you don't necessarily get to find out what's really going on in someone else's head and uh so sebastian is like okay um what's the plan when we go to see Lyle and Rufus? This is like the first point in the book where Rufus doesn't necessarily have like an actual plan. And Sebastian's like, what do you mean you don't have a plan? He's like, I thought I was just going to like bring it up with him. Um, Because Lyle was nice to him when he came out. So Lyle's brother, Eric, like I was saying before, um, was kind of shitty. And Lyle's like, he finds him in a park Lyle's like, Oh, hey, um, Eric's a good kid, and I'm sorry he did that to you, and I understand what it feels like to be an outsider, so like, don't worry about it, man. and which I thought was pretty cool, like, hey, sorry that my brother's a piece of shit. I think you're pretty chill, and I understand how it feels to be like not accepted. So the boys decide to go look for Lyle at this uh, airport diner. And when they get there, they realize that they don't see Hayden's car anywhere, so they think it's safe to go. So as they're walking up to the diner, they've parked, like, across the way. They hear raised voices, and they realize that it's Hayden having an argument with Lyle, and Hayden's asking for the, the money back. And Lyle's like, I don't know what money you're talking about, and I don't know why you think that I would have money like that. Like, it's, that's I'm not who you think I am. And it boils down to Hayden pulls out a gun, then another guy pulls out a gun, and it's because Lyle's like, listen, this isn't my product. I don't know who you got this from, but this isn't mine, so you're not getting shit from me. And Hayden's like, I got it from one of your boys. And he's like, I don't have boys. I don't even, what? I don't even know what's going on here. So Hayden pulls out a gun, one of Lyle's men pulls out a gun and this scares Sebastian. So Sebastian's like, I'm going back to the car. Like, I can't do this. He knocks over like a, a rusted out oil drum or something. And obviously, the group of people hears it because they're close enough and they start shooting at them. So there is an actual shootout happening. And in turn, this turns into a car chase because the boys are getting shot at. Um, Rufus nearly gets hit and like a piece of wall explodes near him from like a a bullet hitting it. And uh, they get into the car. They're being chased down by Hayden in the Jeep at this point. And when they lose Hayden, uh, Rufus realizes that um, he's not, he's not been shot. He, when he fell, uh, a piece of brick kind of cut him open and this is like the worst part because I'm imagining it. Rufus is bleeding really badly. And the description the description of like the this part is like raw raw meat. And I'm just like, um uh Um Caleb, never again, please, thank you. You're so good at descriptives. So Sebastian cleans it out with hand sanitizer. And honestly, like for the entire like The entire book, I'm thinking about the hand sanitizer wound. And it's not too deep. It's just bleeding a lot. So um, it looks a lot worse than it is, but it bled a lot. And it's just, like, gross. But obviously, he now can't wear his tank top that was not only covered with Fox's blood, but now his blood. And so Sebastian reaches into the back of his car and pulls out a really crinkled and, like, I think he says musty or gamey jersey for him to wear so rufus is now wearing sebastian's jersey which is very and it's like much bigger on him and this is very much like shows up to the door to get the mail from the mailman in my boyfriend's oversized white button-up shirt it's very much like that look in my head like that's what i'm imagining a woman opening the door and being like Oh, I'm sorry. I was just wearing my boyfriend's outfit from last night. Um, that's what I'm imagining is happening. so after that, the boys kind of get lost in the moment, and Sebastian kisses Rufus, and Rufus pushes Sebastian off of him, and he's like, "Don't do that like you can't do this." But Rufus kind of explains like he's been that Sebastian's been toying with his emotions and And he thinks that Sebastian is just, like, taking advantage of his feelings. And Sebastian is like, how can you say that? Like, how can you even think that? And I guess, like, the seal finally breaks, and Rufus just, like, cracks. And he's like, I loved you. Like, I I told you I loved you, and you never responded. And it's like... I still love you. you you like you can't do this. you you literally destroyed me, and now you're here again, and it's killing me. This kind of makes uh, Sebastian kind of crack as well, and he starts crying. and he reveals why he wanted to talk to Rufus tonight. And it's Sebastian's dad, after someone got caught with white rabbits on campus, Um, felt as though Sebastian had been lying to him about stuff and keeping secrets. So he decides to go through Sebastian's room and he finds the pictures of he and Rufus together kissing from the one date at the movie theaters. And when Sebastian gets home from school, his dad brings it up and Sebastian kind of, it doesn't go well. And Sebastian runs out of the house and has been ignoring text messages and phone calls from his dad all day. So That was it was hard to read because I was like, oh wow. So the cool thing about this book is, and I say cool like loosely. It's not like my favorite thing, obviously, but it's the reactions that coming out are realistic. They're not like sunshine and you know roses and daisies. It's not sugary sweet. It's a realistic happening. Um, I know that like that's something that hap- has happened to like friends I know and not every coming out experience is, you know, super amazing. So reading this, I was I was like, Oh, this is different than what I expected to happen because every, I think almost every other book that I've read for the podcast so far has been someone coming out or someone already began being gay and being like wildly accepted. Whereas in this universe, it's like a little bit more realistic where like, Not everyone is super accepting of someone being gay, which is, I think, a little bit more like true to story. This kind of makes Rufus ask, like, why he still had the pictures. And Sebastian is like, I still look at those pictures and remember how happy I was. Like that was the happiest day of my life. And that was a little like that was heartwarming to read, like this person being like I look at these pictures and they just remind me of something that, like, I was so happy. This was truly the happiest day of my life and I spent it with you. And Sebastian finally comes out and says, he's like, after you said I loved you, like, it was either I said it back, which is what he wanted to say, or he ran away. So he did the running away part because he was scared of everything changing. And he wanted to say it, but just didn't have the courage to do it. So he decided to push Rufus away instead and go back to what was safe, which was Leah. Sebastian's like, "Listen, I understand if you never want to take me back, but like can we just start over as friends like can we get back to that?" And Rufus is like, "But what if I want like what if I want to take you back?" And they wind up kissing, so that's how that chapter ends, which is which is actually nice, <laughs> and then the next. <laughs> So, I think I actually tweeted about this. So, I tweeted at uh, the author of this book. I tweeted at him and I was like, um, Chapter 19 fucked me up. And I think I said, My heart isn't big enough for this roller coaster ride. And he said, Thoughts and prayers. And I responded with, uh, So, chapter 20 starts off with thoughts and prayers. Um, honestly, I think chapter 20 starts off with car sex. <laughs> I, literally, like, I have a whole sticky note that literally just says, does this chapter start off with car sex? Because I'm very much convinced that this chapter starts off with car sex. So it only took 20 chapters to get to car sex. And that is the end of this episode. <laughs> Could you imagine? On Super let we only read to the point where they have sex and then it ends. Obviously, I'm kidding. We have some more shit to talk about. So after the the beautiful car sex incident, Sebastian's trying to figure out if he's okay with officially coming out and, you know, being with Rufus. And he thinks that he's going to be okay with it. He thinks that he's going to be able to commit to it and not shy away and be his true self. And Sebastian still doesn't know specifically what he wants. He doesn't know if he's gay or bi or, like, whatever. And that's the nice thing about this book. He's like, I want to be with you. That's all that matters. Like, I don't really know what I am. And I think that's, like, pretty cool. And while that's happening, April has texted Rufus and is like, let me read the the exact thing she says. So the text from April reads, it's over. The cops are letting me go home. She doesn't elaborate. And she doesn't respond to the text message. So... I forget what time it is at this point. I think they've mentioned it. So I'm assuming it's now maybe like 2 a.m. at this point. And the boys decide to go to the police station. And April's actually waiting outside smoking a cigarette. And she seems very sobered at this point. So she's very clear headed. She knows what she's talking about. Like every. She's a lot calmer now. And. It seems as though the cops were trying to, like, rattle her story. So they kept saying, like, to her that her story was wrong and that something wasn't adding up and they wanted her to break and she just stuck to the story that Rufus had created for them. And April asks why Rufus had to change. She was like, oh, what's with the outfit change? I don't really um, get it, like, this look that you're going for. And... So she's basically insinuating, like, why are you wearing Sebastian's jersey? And Sebastian jumps in before Rufus can be like, well, I hurt myself and I was bleeding, so I had to change my shirt. He literally is like, hey, um, so we're dating. He's wearing my shirt because we're dating. And April is so ecstatic. She literally hugs Sebastian and says, welcome to the family. Like, I don't understand April in any way, shape, or form, because she's very uh, calculating. And it's just so funny that she's so excited about this. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so cute. This is like, I got a little giddy reading this, I'll admit it. After that, I think April realizes that they were talking about something. And the boys spill that they went to Arlo's and that Arlo is dead. And it's because they think that Arlo saw something in the kitchen, which is what Leah said. So Leah confirms that Arlo saw something, and that's the reason why he's dead. And April asks if Leah saw something, and she didn't. So they bring up Hayden, and... She's like, I don't want to know, like, why the hell he was there. Like, honestly, nothing makes sense about tonight. And Leah, like, Leah was apparently also upset at Fox tonight, according to April. So she's like, oh, well, I bet she was ecstatic when she found out that Fox was dead. The boys are like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. And Rufus is like, okay, you need to elaborate on that. And... She, uh Leah had found out that Fox was selling pills to her younger brother, and her younger brother is 13, so Sebastian is pissed off when he hears this, uh, for good reason, obviously. And the reason why April left this out is because Leah had heard April saying to Fox that she was going to cut his balls off with a knife because of the events of the night. And she was afraid that if she spilled Leah's secrets, Leah in turn would spill April's secrets because that sounds wildly incriminating. So the boys at this point have to go back to Leah. So third time's a charm. (laughs) Let's hope we get all of the information this time. And Sebastian's like, she didn't do it. Like, Rufus, she's not capable of doing this. And they kind of have a back and forth. And Rufus is like, listen, we still need to talk to her. There's no way we can avoid this, so we're going to go talk to her, because I don't think anything yet, but we still need to go confirm that her story is true, especially after what April just told us. So this is mostly like Rufus trying to remain neutral, but Leah has lied about a lot tonight, so they have to go back to talk to her, especially after what April just told them, and... When they get there, Leah like pulls them into the basement and they're talking and there's a lot of back and forth and the boys have kind of asked too many questions at this point and Leah kind of snaps and brings up the fact that she knows that there's something going on between the boys and she can tell, especially since, you know uh, Rufus is currently wearing Sebastian's jersey so clearly something's going on and the way that like. Sebastian talks about Rufus. There's like a sweetness to his voice. She wishes that he had just said, like, hey, I have feelings for Rufus and come out to her instead of kind of using her as a beard, if you will. And she's like, I'm not gonna forgive you, but like honestly, I'm not gonna hold this against you. But because like I get it. I understand. You're not off the hook, you're a shithead, but I get it. So after, like, a little bit of a silence, um, Leah, like, wipes her eyes, after, and she's, like, done crying, and she's like, so I drugged April. (laughs) And it's just like, bitch, what? You drugged April. So this is your friend, and you drugged her. And Leah used, like, mixed cough syrup into April's drink to calm her down because she was so erratic and she was afraid that she was going to hurt someone. So she used cough syrup on April and put her to bed, and that's what April was on the whole time. So April was on something, but she just didn't know that she was actually drugged. So April thinks the whole time that she, that she wasn't drugged and that she had just been drinking and that it was just maybe a little bit too much and Leah's just like no I I gave her cough syrup like that's this is what happened so she basically gave her a, a really strong dose of cough syrup and that's why April was so loopy this kind of helps clear up the issue of the timeline and the reasoning why April being drugged with the cough syrup is because Fox filmed he and Peyton banging and showed it and sent it to Arlo. Arlo, when he and Fox were fighting, showed it to Leah and Leah in turn showed it to it just, <laughs> the whole chain of like, Oh, there's a sex tape. Let's show it to so-and-so who shows it. to so-and-so who shows it to so-and-so. So, um, so basically Fox films a sex tape with, Peyton, and I'm assuming Peyton doesn't know, Fox sends it to Arlo. Arlo gets into a fight with Fox. Arlo shows Leah the sex tape. Arlo and Leah are mad at Fox. Leah gets pissed off, um, so pissed off, and she shows it to April, and that's when the fight with April and Peyton happens. So that kind of confirms the whole timeline. And there are so many layers to like what happened, and it's not given all up like front. So it's really interesting that you're at this point and you're like, okay, like what, what the what the fuck else is going to happen here, guys? So the boys figure out they have to go question Race and Peyton again because they're the only two left on the list and Sebastian is like, "Have you been getting texts from Race and Peyton?" And she's like, "Of course I have." And Rufus is just like, okay, here's the thing though. You can't respond to them because whoever killed Arlo and Fox is probably going to come after you next. So do not leave the house. Do not respond to any text messages. And don't let anyone in, which of course is like, <laughs> it's like, you could be next. And it's just like, <laughs> I'm just imagining Ghostface saying this. And it's like, you could be next. But before they can do that, Sebastian's like, okay, like which one of the two are we gonna question first? Rufus is like, actually, I have a better idea. <laughs> Let's go question the town gossip. So they decide to go question Ramona because she knows all the gossip, and apparently she had been texting Leah. So she already knows something went down at the party. And Rufus is like, Maybe we can get her to spill some beans about race and Peyton because she had texted Uh, Leah asking a question about R&P, which obviously means race and Payton. So when they get to the diner, they're looking for Ramona, but she's nowhere to be found. And then Rufus hears his name and it turns out to be his best friend Lucy. So Lucy is one of my favorite characters in this book. She's literally only, like, maybe has, like, a couple pages of full dialogue uh, at most, but she questions why the two are hanging out she's like oh i thought you were going to go hang out with april and now you're with uh <laughs> with uh <laughs> oh my god she's like you're with sebastian now that's uh that's not april so basically sebastian comes out and is like yeah we're together um this is the thing. And Rufus is like, Oh my God, he's coming out. Like, I hope he's okay with this. I hope he's comfortable. And so Lucy is basically a fucking pervert. And it's like one of my favorite things about this book, because it's so out of left field how Lucy is. Um, You get like a little taste of it when Rufus is you know, forced out of the closet and Lucy is just like, yeah, that's, um, you're great. Let's go get shoes. But no, not really, but I actually need to get shoes. So you're coming with me. So it's, (laughs) it's kind of funny how that happens. Like how she, she kind of, um, is just like a little bright light in this very dark and gloomy story. And so, Back at the table, one of their friends, Brent, is there. And Brent has a crush on Lucy, obviously. I mean, I have a crush on Lucy, and she's a fictional character. So she and Brent uh, start talking to Sebastian. And they're like, listen, if you don't keep our boy happy, there's going to be issues. And then I get into talking about Scott Pilgrim, like the, the graphic novel, not the movie, and how much they all love it. And I guess Sebastian passes the test because he can quote something nerdy to them. And this is when talk nerdy to me starts playing in the background. But this is when Ramona fucking Waverly appears. Literally a quote. So the boys start trying to um, talk to Ramona, and Rufus doesn't want to give everything up front, and Sebastian's not really doing too hot Getting information. So Rufus basically kind of spills the beans about April going to the police station to give a statement to kind of get more information about Race and Peyton. And apparently, um, there was a very public argument between them at the diner that they're at right now. So this kind of throws off the entire timeline that Race and Peyton had given. And this explains why when Race and Peyton were like, oh, we just came back home after like, the fight at the party, uh, some of the things didn't add up. So this is kind of pointing to Race or Peyton being the one that killed Fox. After their conversation with Ramona, the boys are leaving, and Lucy, of course, is like, hey, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And Brent's like, the only two things you wouldn't do are eat cilantro and watch anything starring Gwyneth Paltrow, which, honestly, I feel like that's a really good list. Um... (laughs) So I guess that means she doesn't watch the Marvel movies with Gwyneth Paltrow in them. Hmm, I'm going to have to think about that one. I'm going to have to rethink this friendship. But the boys leave the diner and then go talk alone. Sebastian thinks that with this gossip, they can turn in Race and Peyton. But Rufus doesn't think that the cops will be able to do much with the story. So they have to go and question Race and Peyton. Rufus then asks Sebastian, like, which of the two would be easiest to trick into talking. And Sebastian says, Race, because, you know, he's probably upset that Peyton slept with Fox and is probably willing to talk, especially because he seemed, I think, the most heated out of the two of them when they both went to talk with them earlier in Race's backyard. So, when the boys were leaving, they hadn't made it to the car yet, outside of the diner, when someone steps out of the fog and it turns out to be Sebastian's dad. So, I'm imagining this to not go well because um A Rufus has an anger issue and obviously he would want to defend his boyfriend. So, Sebastian's dad, Mr. Williams, kind of goes off on Sebastian. He's like, "What are you like what are you doing?" Like you haven't been answering any of my calls, my texts, like you've worried your mother's sick. And Sebastian's like scared. So it turns out that Sebastian's dad, like threw a plate or a bowl and it scared Sebastian into running away basically all day. And it kind of, it really frightened him. So he's afraid that he's not going to be uh, accepted by his father because obviously when you're kind of outed, that's a, a real thought process you have. And it, Eventually ends. I would, it, when reading this book, I would read through like this part of specifically too, because there's a lot of information here. But it eventually ends with uh, Sebastian's dad after Rufus yells at him. <laughs> um, and the two kind of come to uh, a conclusion. They kind of agree that if Sebastian can, you know, agree to be patient and help work with him, that Mr. Williams will he'll be more accepting. He's going to try to be more accepting, which is like a cool way to kind of end that chapter. I was really thinking it wasn't going to end well. Um, But I would read that, that portion because there's a lot of information about why he's sought out Sebastian and why it ends well. And it's very specific and I don't want to spoil too, too much of that conversation. So, after the conversation, um, Sebastian kind of has like a little bit of a breakdown in the car. He's basically saying, like, my father's my best friend. What if it's weird after this? And Rufus is like, listen, the hardest part is out of the way. Um, it'll get better. He seemed like he you know, wants to have a relationship with you. And if it's a little weird right now, it'll be a little weird. But he seems like he actually wants to make an effort. So uh, that kind of calms him down a little bit. And so after that, Sebastian is typing out a message of warning to Leah about race, uh, because race has been texting her and um, he's about to send a message when Rufus is like, listen, don't send that message. We can use this to our advantage. So basically they're going to trick race into coming and meeting them in the park, thinking that it's Leah. So they're going to do, kind of like a switcheroo, if you will, a parent trap almost, I guess. (laughs) So they're going to have Leah text race and say, Hey, I'll meet you in the park at this location. So the message is sent and they can't park all the way out in the park because obviously, uh, you know, race knows what Sebastian's Jeep looks like. So they have to park a little bit further away and they drive by uh, Fox's home, the one that was burned down, and on the door they can see in red spray paint, they can see the words liar, cocksucker, drug dealer, and rapist. And the boys are the most confused by the last part. So the boys don't really understand why Fox is getting called rapist. So they agree that Fox is like kind of shitty, but they didn't know it was to that extent. And there's actually a time check here. So it's about 5.20 in the morning. And the sun is starting to come up at this point. So they're hoping to get this meeting done quick with race. They want to get this meeting done before the sun can come up and kind of blow their cover. So at this point, it's this is hard because at this point in the book, this is when everything kind of starts uh, falling into place, so I don't want to spoil too much of this. So this is these are the last four chapters, and like let me fucking tell you, there is a lot that happens in these last four chapters. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I do divulge some secrets of the book, but I don't go you know full ham on it because especially for me, I didn't see this coming at all and I really think that you guys would appreciate something like this and I'm not a murder mystery type of person. Um, I don't think I've ever really read a murder mystery but this like really caught me by surprise and I, I literally bought it on a whim and I really can't explain how pleased i am especially with the writing style the writing style is really easy i like how uh smart the narrator is rufus he really comes off wildly smart um i like that he's not perfect i like that the uh characters in this book they really as much as i don't like reading this kind of stuff just because it like sucks t- for me um I like how realistic the dialogue is uh, between these high school students. So I don't imagine every high school romance, especially when there's a murder mystery involved, uh, to be perfect and no one to call anyone by any kind of like harsh names. So the writing in this is, I believe realistic between teenagers who are uh, kind of, in my opinion, the worst human beings ever. Um, And I really do think that this is something that should definitely be on your reading list. And like, I would love to read this again and see if I can pick up anything at the beginning of the book to see if I missed anything, because I'm the queen of missing, uh, kind of like hints as to what's going on. But, um, like I said, I would go out and go out and buy this book. Um, The book, again, is called White Rabbit by uh, Caleb Roeg. I'm horrible at pronouncing his last name, and I I sincerely apologize if I've really trashed his last name. But really fantastic author, really great writing style. Um, I think anyone would be pleased reading this, and it's not your typical kind of romance book. So I know that I read a lot of those, um, and... I know that a lot of the stuff on the podcast has been that, but I like that this is really different than the normal one. So it's, it's I think, first and foremost, a murder mystery with a little bit of LGBT romance thrown in there. And I am so happy to have been able to read this. I'm really glad I found it by accident. So yeah. Thank you so much for listening to. I always, this is the part I mess up the most. Okay. My name is Brendan Patrick, and thank you so much for listening to Super Lit.